coming up next on the Wetfly Swing podcast. They're kind of big, scaly, ventral mouths that are bottom feeders like a, a carp. You know, big scales on the side, but they're uh, but they're a native species, and they're they're really interesting. You know, they're they're these big, gentle giants, and I think they've been studied up to like sixty five years old or something. They they're just <laughs> these ancient uh, fish swimming around, and they'll they'll really humble you because they're they're mostly. Uh, in a sense, kind of a filter feeder. That was Seth Fields describing a fish species you may not have heard about yet. Buffalo Muskie and Seth's Angling Report today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Did you know a big part of us growing this show and reaching new people and helping more people up their fly fishing game, a lot of that has been built on sharing the episode one listener at a time. If you haven't shared the episode before or if it's been a while, this is your chance to share it out and help grow this show and help a few more fly anglers. Today's episode is sponsored by Fishhound Expeditions, putting together remote Alaskan wilderness trips for that trip of a lifetime. I just got off one of these trips and it was definitely a trip of a lifetime for me. Uh, Northern lights, river time, gravel bars, salmon, trout. Uh, it's all there and the experience with Adam and the crew was amazing. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash fishhound right now to connect with Adam and find out more about this trip. That's fishhound, F-I-S-H-H-O-U-N-D. We are also sponsored by Fairflies, creating ethically sourced premium fly tie materials. With their 5D brushes, you simply tie better flies faster. The 5D brushes contain perfectly proportioned materials to tie great streamers, bass flies, saltwater flies. We've had a number of guests... Uh, on recently and coming up here that have talked about fair flies and how much of a game changer this has been both for durability and speed you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash fairflies right now that's f-a-i-r-f-l-i-e-s you support fair flies and this podcast by clicking through that link seth fields is here to walk us through the diversity of tennessee fly fishing we hear about the tennessee tarpon this big spay kickoff event they have, musky, gar, smallmouth, and many more. We're digging into it today. All of this, Seth's stories, writing articles for some of the most well-known magazines around. So today, here we go. Seth Fields from thehatchoutfitters.com. How's it going, Seth? Hey, Dave. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for making a little time to put this together. It's uh, it's earlier morning for me uh, than you. You're over in uh, you're over in Tennessee doing some good stuff over there. So we're gonna dig into uh, your fly shop and uh, a few of the species you're fishing for, probably uh, including garp, uh, probably today. Um, but before we jump into all that, take us back to fly fishing. How did it all start for you, real quick? Um, pretty much, uh, my my story is as basic as it comes. My, much like uh, a lot of people who are around. In the, the early 90s, I'm a product of A River Runs Through It. Yeah, that that movie came out, and I, I don't even distinctly remember knowing much about the movie, but, you know, the visual, right? The, the visual of someone casting a fly line. Uh, I was just enamored with it. Uh, you know, I was probably 
probably around the age of uh, six or seven. And uh, yeah, saw that, that film and was just all in at that point. And it's kind of funny. I actually have uh, my mom is, you know, since uh, getting into the industry for a while now, uh, when, when I first got in, uh, she like framed up this Christmas, you know, letter to Santa Claus that I wrote uh that year so i have it here uh in like a little scrapbook uh you know the the wish list oh cool uh, i was i was such a geeky kid i'd i'd like itemized uh the the wish list like you know this uh shakespeare fly rod from walmart i had the price i had a second option a fly line a box of flies and just had this really uh really detailed christmas list it was, you know uh for for santa claus wow. that that she framed up for me. So it's, it's kind of funny, but that's where, it, that's where it essentially started was, was that kind yeah. of early obsession. Yep. River and Stuart, I know that we've heard that so many times on here. It's, it's just, yeah, it's amazing all these years, I guess it, it's a tribute to, um, you know, obviously Robert Redford and, and the, uh, and what he put together because that was a while ago and there hasn't been anything, um, you know, I don't think anything close, right. Over the years. Yeah. I wonder, what do you think? Do you think there's a potential there's going to be something else like that in the future? <laughs> Uh, you know, everyone talks about those days kind of, uh, depending on your perspective, uh, fly shops seem to talk about it as if it was a gift and a curse and, yep. you know, so many people got into it, but it was a kind of bunch of fair weather fly fishers and not a lot stuck around. And then, uh, I mean, for us, the, the recent boom with COVID, uh, you know, nobody right. really saw that coming in the, in the, the fly fishing world, but you know, people tend to talk of them in the same category of just like times when people just really turn to turn to fishing uh and and fly fishing uh was just it had its those have been the two heydays right like yeah. these two events but one of them was more social and one was just this crazy thing that we're still kind of coming out yeah. of the out of the cobwebs on but right the aftermath yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's interesting but no that that film's great and i i still a huge fan it's kind of comfort yeah. food for me like my wife knows like if i'm sick or you know flu or kids bring home some bad bug she's probably going to come home and find me watching it or you know yep the the, the movie menu sitting there on the tv with me passed out that's it's just still one of my favorites yeah me too me too it's just such it's a cool story because it's it's really yeah it's a story not about um you know obviously not about fly fishing that's the funny thing the author right he <laughs> yeah we've done some episodes on it and and it's uh yeah and it's a movie about uh yeah about the whole story brotherhood his brother and, yeah his brotherhood exactly family yeah. and i'm i'm uh you know i have i have one brother uh and there's some similarities there you know uh and mm -hmm. i I might have been the more Paul esque uh, brother. In, yeah. In our arrangement, uh, my, my older brother uh, was, you know, sometimes trying to keep me straight and we fought and did things brothers do. So, anyone with that background, you know, there's more to yeah. the film than fishing for sure. It was your brother. Did he get into fly fishing too? No, no. no. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's an avid outdoorsman for sure. Uh, just never, never, you know, I, that was kind of a, that was an interesting part about the time, you know, when I got my first fly rod and, and got introduced to it. I, I was pretty much all alone. You know, I, I grew up in a family where we were fishermen for sure and, and did it a lot. My grandfather was probably the biggest influence there. You know, I think one of my earliest 
memories uh, happens to be us kind of waking up, you know, dark 30, him waking me up out of bed. And, and he had this little, uh, like a one man wooden boat, this little custom built boat back in South Carolina uh, that he bought off a guy. And it was actually powered by a, uh, by a trolling motor that you steered with your feet. It was just, it oh, was wow. meant, it was meant for one man, but you know, he'd throw a, a little padded cushion on top of the live well. And, and, and we, we kind of, we grew up in this, this area kind of on the, the cusp of the low country in South Carolina. So it's a bunch of like private ponds and that sort of thing that we just grew up fishing for, for brim and bass and, and all of that. So, so we had this, my, my grandfather was just a diehard fisherman, you know, mounted bass on the wall, a million stories, just like a really great angler and a hunter as well. And I guess we all just kind of picked up on different pieces of his personality. You know, it was, mm. he was into fishing. He was into hunting. My brother took more to the hunting side. I took a little more to the fishing, but we all yeah. did a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. But, but when I got that fly rod, I didn't find out until many years later, my great grandfather was a fly fisherman. And, you know, mm. today I have some of his books and things and little notes, he's dog eared pages. And so there's, there's oh, a wow. little bit of a family history there, but it definitely skipped a couple of generations. Uh, and so when I got that rod, I was pretty much on my own, you know, and at that point there's no, no internet, you know, there's yeah. you know, obviously a couple books and things like that. But, uh, as things tend to do, uh, you know, you go through these, childhood phases and so i so i had it we lived on a pond and i'd walk around that pond fishing for brim and probably throwing some poppers as best as i can remember but that was so long ago and then it you know just kind of went back into to tradition or you know spin fishing and, and that sort of thing uh and and the fly rod got put away for for a long long time until till around after college or so when i i met my wife uh at the university of South Carolina, Aiken, uh, she was playing basketball there. I was, I was just, you know, uh, academic and we, uh, we met in college and, and have been together, you know, almost 13 years now or so, but her family is from the Midwest. And so when I start dating her, you know, they're, they're really still in touch with their Midwest roots. They have a cabin up in uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan. And, uh, you know, eventually was accepted by the family enough to be brought along up to, uh, up to the UP, the upper peninsula. And the first time I like set eyes on, on this river that their cabins on, uh, that was really like one of the first times where the, the fishing bug came back. So there had been a, you know, a good, I don't know, 10, 10, 15 years of not really doing, doing much, uh, by way of fishing. And all of a sudden we're out on this, this river and, you know, her, her, my father-in-law took me out and we're spin fishing. We're catching, I mean, it's a tremendous smallmouth river and pike and there's some musky in there as well, but it's mostly smallmouth and pike river. And we're catching them on traditional, you know, gear, throwing Rapalas and stuff like that. And I mean, I think it just hit me all of a sudden. I was like, God, this, this would be an amazing place to, to throw a fly rod, but I didn't own one at the time and, and everything, but it was just that place just rekindled something in me that just felt the need to do it a little different way and, and to get back into the, to the fly fishing. And, and I've been going up there with the family, uh, ever since and heading up there this fall. And it's been a long time since I've thrown a, a spin rod up there. <laughs> so 
So it was that place and, and, and her family that just kind of in, in a weird way just brought, brought everything full circle. And, you know, that was uh, probably about yeah, 10 years ago or so where, where it came back with a, with a vengeance. Wow. That is, that is cool how that's just came together. So it was really your wife partly. And then I love the basketball, the connection too, because that was my sport. I, so I'm, we will dig into that a little bit. I'm curious on, uh, you know, positions and stuff, but uh, let, let's just go back to, um, you know, Tennessee. We're kind of in the middle. It's cool. Tennessee is also in a really cool place in the country, right? You're surrounded by, uh, you're kind of in the middle. Do you feel like you're in the middle of the country or what, what is Tennessee? No, like? I, no. I, I still feel very, uh, you know, Southeastern. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're Chattanooga is just right off the Georgia border. So, yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're still close enough to family and friends back in Georgia and South Carolina. Um, but it, it's a very interesting place. I mean, it was, those trips to the UP, we were always passing through Chattanooga, whether we were coming from uh, South Carolina, where we were going to school or the many years we lived in Georgia, we were always driving through Chattanooga, like, oh, it's such a beautiful town. And then about the time that, uh, that we, we were done with all the academic stuff, we were kind of like, well, where do we want to live? You know, and it's always been that town that we've passed through. It's so beautiful. And then you start doing research and you know, there are a lot of years there where like outside magazine, places like that, were just, you know, giving it the credit of, you know, the most outdoorsy town in America. And it's always been on those highly regarded as just a, a up and coming kind of outdoorsy town. And so we started, you know, looking at some jobs for my wife in the area. She's a veterinarian and uh, we we found jobs here. We found a house here and it just all kind of aligned and and since moving here uh almost only five years now we've been in chattanooga it's uh it's it's home for sure and and i love it and there's so much water i mean so there was the aspect of trying to find work and and housing and all of that but for me obviously it's an angler the whole time you know it's like i can't drive over any body of water without man i want to fish that and and this place is uh it's kindling for that kind of fire. It's, uh, there's so much water. You can't, you, you can't look one direction or another, drive five minutes without crossing a Creek or a big river or lake. I mean, we're just blessed with an abundance of water. So when I was looking at Chattanooga as a potential, you know, there were lakes, rivers, creeks, everything. And, uh, I saw the budding community here. There was a fly shop, uh, in town briefly when we first moved here and started meeting people there and uh, there was a little culture happening. And, and I think we've been able to really expand upon that. I mean, it's, it's really something now. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of a, we just took a chance and, and knew that there was a lot of potential here, but uh, yeah, it definitely still feels uh, Southeastern um, because we're just down in this corner, but there's just so much opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I said middle of the country, but what I meant was middle of the East, you know, I mean, you're kind of, yeah. You, know, you are down a little south, but you're not. Yeah, when you look at it, I mean, yeah, you're you're almost in the middle of the East area, right? You're surrounded yeah. by the weather. Quickly lets you know that you're you're still in, yeah. in the southeast. Uh, you know, people drive through, and they, you know, you see the the pictures and the the hilly, almost mountainous backgrounds, and people have a tendency to think we're in the mountains. But you know, six hundred feet of elevation is kind of the average uh, ground floor of the the Chattanooga Valley here, and and it, it's it's a it's a muggy little 
little town, but uh, it still gets that southeastern hot weather. But man, it's uh, it's a great place to live. Yeah, we were just. It's funny that's all relative, but we were just last week up in Alaska in uh, near Denali. You know, twenty thousand, right? Twenty thousand feet high mountain. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it, it all puts it in perspective because every place you go to, right? There's everything's got some cool little thing, whether that's a new stream or you know, some outdoor activity. So, um, what yeah. we're going to dig into today, you know, I want to dig into Tennessee a little bit for those folks that, and Tennessee has come up a number of time on the show. We just haven't really dug into specifically some of the waters and species. Um, but yeah, I want to dig into that today and just talk, maybe talk about some of the fishing opportunities and we'll bring it back to the fly shop for sure. Um, but maybe let's start there as far as if somebody was kind of on their way, maybe is in Tennessee living there, or maybe going to be traveling, visiting something like that. What, what do people, what do you, what do you start them out with as far as the opportunities there? Are, is, are there a number of different species you can kind of hit up there? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, like I was saying, the, the, the landscape and, and kind of the, the elevation mostly dictate that, that we, we have more abundance of warm water fisheries than we do you know, cold water fisheries, the, the vast majority of Tennessee's cold water fisheries are, you know, tailwaters from dams, which we, you know, we're kind of mm-hmm. in the heart of the, you know, the, the Tennessee river Valley that runs through Chattanooga, Knoxville and that area. I mean, it's, you know, 12th, I think don't quote me on that, but I think it's like 12th mm-hmm. largest river, uh, watershed in, in the nation. And, so there's a lot of dams that come from it and the Tennessee river dams don't specifically have trout, uh, but a lot of the, the tributaries do. Uh, so more notable ones being, you know, Hiawassee rivers mm-hmm. and then further, further up into the Northeast corner of the state, you really do get into more of that trout, uh, type of landscape where, you know, still tail waters, but a lot of natural streams as well. You've got the South Holston and Watauga, pretty notable rivers, um, you know, and, and then along the, the more mountainous border side of the state on the far East that, that kind of runs into the Appalachian mountains, you've got all the, the smoky mountains. I mean, there's that, that's probably, I I would assume brings more anglers to, to trout fishing in Tennessee than, than the tailwaters. It's, it's a very popular, beautiful spot, abundance of streams and, and a lot of that trickles down uh, from the northeast, uh, you know, down to Teleco River and and uh, some places, and it, and it all kind of kind of ends eventually, and then kind of goes over into Georgia, North Carolina. But the the bit of cold water we fishing fishing that we have is is mostly here in this the eastern corridor of the state and and up in the the mountainous areas, and then of course tailwaters spread sporadically out. Through, through the region uh, yeah you know tim ford yep. dam uh produces the elk river drainage for trout and caney fork and, and and a lot of these these trout streams that that also double over is uh great fisheries for other things like smallmouth and and striper and and things like that so as far as the cold water fisheries go we might be a, a little more limited as a uh, as a whole as a state but there are these great tailwaters, uh, famed tailwaters, and then a lot of the the, the smaller smokies and, and things like that. But the stuff that that has taken up a lot of my time is is the warm water fishery. Again, you know, there's so much water here, and it's just 
small mouth and large mouth and gar and musky and we've got and the musky kind of pertain a little more to the to the cold water fisheries but they kind of double over a lot of times in, in places that are that are a little bit of both um it's a lot of it's a lot to take in i'm, I'm still is. just scratching the surface really right yeah it is it's pretty amazing because tennessee you know, I mean, there's pretty, I mean, Memphis, you know, Nashville, Chattanooga, I mean, all these major, you know, named cities that it's pretty cool. And then you add on, like you said, this diversity of fishing opportunities, which is, uh, which is pretty amazing. So you're in, so you're in Chattanooga, what's, um, and you're the only fly shop there now? Uh, yes, we're, we're the, we're the sole fly shop for the, uh, for the area. And, you know, there's, there's a few other shops within uh within reaching distance most of the cities you named have have a fly shop you know nashville and, and knoxville and, and some of the some of the smaller towns with trout waters definitely along the smokies there's lots of shops but for the, the chattanooga area we're we're the the fly shop you're the one yeah. how did the uh, i want to jump into just a little on the fly shot because that's going to be a, a piece of this today before we jump into some other opportunities but how did the, you know, the shop, so um, take us there real quick. What, what did that look like? So you, you, it sounds like there was a shop there and then it moved out. How did you, when did that decision come where you're like, okay, this is, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it, it kind of goes back to, to what I was doing beforehand. So I would uh, out of college, you know, my wife was in vet school. I was, uh, I was just all in, you know, after that rekindling back up in mm -hmm. Michigan and, and we were living in Athens, Georgia and I was fly fishing just nonstop. And we were, you know, we didn't have any kids at the time and I was just all in, you know, and I had a, had a job as a graphic designer, but, uh, I was just fishing nonstop. And I started getting to a point where I, I wanted to contribute, uh, to, to a couple magazines and I was starting to put out some feelers for different stories and, and it, uh, had some luck getting published in like American angler, um, and a few other small, small publications and, you know, had some talks with the editors there. And at some point they posted like, Hey, you know, the Morris media group that owned American angler and fly tire magazine and gray sporting journal was looking for someone to, to head up their, their kind of digital, uh, their digital marketing and, and management uh and social media and all that and so i i put my name in the hat and ended up getting that job and that was kind of where i i first got into the industry um and so i was often running with that and i was uh, you know running uh these websites and social media and marketing platforms for those magazines and and starting to write more and more and that you know it was a full-time job and was there for several years and i'm super thankful for those years i mean i met uh, it, it, it was a lot of dream come true type stuff, you know, kind of a pinch me mm -hmm. type thing, uh, where I was, uh, eventually at the helm as an editor for a smaller publication within that network called the angling report. It was something that was around for about 30 years or so. Uh, you know, Don Causey had started that, that operation and it was kind of known as a, as a, if it, it's it's best put as kind of a gear or a travel guide to the best fly fishing around the world and it was all like user supported so it was a very small publication but it was for guys who were just 
yep into gung-ho about about travel fly fishing they would they would go on trips and essentially we would do reports on on lodges locations what's new what's happening and uh, that was a lot of fun because it also just provided me a crazy opportunity to just start traveling like right out of the gate um you know that when when morris bought that publication no one really I was still the young guy in the, in the group, you know, and no one really had the time and they didn't know oh, who wow. was going to take over. And they were like, I was like, what about me? You know, I kind of nice. just put my hand yeah. up and they were like, let's give them a shot. And so for several years I was, I was helping uh, put that title together and I was nice. being sent to all over the Bahamas. It, it, it you know, the travel industry is really saltwater specific. That's kind of yeah. where a lot of the money is. And, and uh, a lot of the attention of, of anglers is spent in, in salt water. So I was, you know, being sent around and, and doing a lot of bone fishing and red fishing and tarpon. And so I was just spoiled, you know, just absolutely spoiled. And, and it felt like things were going really good. And then here's 2020, mm. um, you know, COVID did a number on, on magazines in general, you know, everyone kind of, has the everyone knows you know magazines were are not in their heyday you know leading up to 2020 but 2020 did it no favors no um and uh, all of a sudden all the ads start drying up because lodges and travel was a big you know the vast majority of the ad budget for for putting these titles together and so you know just saw a little bit of the writing on the wall there um you know, and, and mm-hmm. was kind of fearful of, of where things were going. And, uh, up to that point, uh, a friend of mine, the, the shop that was here when I first moved here, it closed down, uh, um, and for whatever reason, and a, and a good friend of mine actually started the hatch outfitters. He, you know, uh, Nate Hefner, we, we lovingly call him the godfather, uh, of the <laughs> shop. We got a little, a little shrine to him uh, over at the beer bar in the shop uh, <laughs> in a special mug for him uh, because he, he was such a big part of it. But he he owned the building, had a vacant space, saw the need, and, and he started the hatch. Uh, and then within uh, a little while of starting it and COVID popping up, uh, that's when I, I kind of approached him like, hey, I'm looking for something long term. And it was kind of a it was, I don't, I don't think ever a real long-term goal of his. It was just, he knew we needed one. He had the, the opportunity and the, the know-how to, to get it started. And so right there, I, I, you know, we signed the paperwork. I, I bought the company and I bought it. Uh, it was still pretty young, you know, in, in its mm-hmm. infancy and everything. But uh, I bought the hatch and took over in May of 2020. Uh, so wow. for anyone who needs a historical timeline, <laughs> uh, everything was shut down. You know, there yeah. was, there was the looming feeling of like, is this, is this the end of America and the world? And, and then all of a sudden I'm trying to talk to my wife about a business loan and, uh, thank God for her, man. She's, uh, <laughs> she's put up with a lot. That is a good woman, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever the saying is, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, uh. It was kind of a crazy, you know, at the time it seemed, seemed like a real risk, but it, it's not the first time I entertained the, the idea of a shop. I just never was in the place in time. And, and yeah, so we, uh, I took over the hatch then and there and 
and ever since we've just been on a you know a mission to to grow the shop and and make it you know a real fly shop that that when people come in they're they're kind of uh everything you need and it's it's a really cool environment so it's uh it's done really well at what point when you're doing you know in that shop you know after 2020 and 2020 was i always try to think was it 2020 or was it 2019 when it's the COVID? but it was 2020 right was that when it started was it going in 2019 too i can't remember uh, I remember the 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 first uh, being around March of twenty of twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's right. Yeah. It was going in night twenty nineteen, but nobody knew, right? But yeah, I was. Ended. Yeah, the reason I, I I'm horrible with dates. It, Me, too. Know, Me I, too. I don't even know it's my own birthday most times, but uh, I do remember that specifically because I was in the Everglades on a, on a DIY trip. Uh, you know, we drove all the way down, drug a skiff down there and we're, oh, we're cool. fishing for uh, a few days down in the, in the Northern Everglades. And I think when we were launching the boat, cause we were camping, uh, there was something on the radio, you know, like flipping through, you know, uh, hearing something about some disease and yep. uh, some virus and, then we just went fishing, you know, and sure. on the way home, I think it was in the matter of like a three or four day period, we were listening to a similar broadcast and we were like, oh God, like what's happening? Yeah. Like we yeah. need, we felt the need to get back home. So it really happened uh, for me around that trip. And uh, yeah, a few months later, who would have known? Today's episode is sponsored by Country Financial. Dalton is a local insurance agent with Country Financial who thrives in helping families and community members through the power of education and proper insurance coverage in life's worst disasters. The unexpected will happen, so it's always best to make sure your assets and life are protected. Way back in episode 20, Deck Hogan was on the podcast and he told one very powerful story about their trip recently uh, that they took uh, that year. They had, uh, it was like a month long excursion. They had their new truck. They had a trailer with all their gear and it was stolen. It was stolen and completely gone. It was just a great reminder um, that all of that, you know, that that's the worst uh, case scenario, but it can happen and make sure to have your stuff protected. Dalton specializes in working with outdoor gear. He loves the outdoor space. He loves fishing and hunting and all the people around it. So if you want to connect with Dalton, you can go right now to wetflyswing.com slash country, and that'll uh, direct you right into Dalton's page, and you can get more information and check in with him. That's the best way to support this podcast is by clicking over right now over to Country Financial. That's wetflyswing.com slash country. Okay, back to the show. So once you got going your shop, um, you know, so now that's 2020. Now it's, uh, you know, we're going into 23 at the end, you know, the end of this year. Have you really felt that thing where it's like, okay, this was the right decision? Like, did that click on the shop early or later? Oh, yeah. That happened? yeah. No, it was, you know, again, I, I think uh, my, my buddy Nate, who had sold me the shop, <laughs> he might have, you might have even had a little seller's remorse, like, sure, okay, okay, man, if you're sure you want to do this, because again, the things just look so, so dire. Um, and then I think it was not, but a, a month or two later, because the shop had been closed, you know, uh, about a month 
before I bought it. You know, it was closed when I bought it and I, we open it back up and, you know, people started trickling in and we were doing masks mm-hmm. and we were doing, you know, offering like curbside pickup and, and within a, a couple months, it was like, Oh, something's happening. You know, looking back at the books of where business was before and afterwards, there's this just whole push of social yeah. isolation and, and, but people were looking for an outlet and it was just, it it was pretty apparent within like four months that like something big was, was happening. And and all of a sudden, you know, we're selling more. So we're buying more and, uh, uh, we just, we never wanted to, we never had the option to really be the, 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 the store that came in with huge financial backing and just everything all at once. But people in this town, in, in Chattanooga and, and visitors as well. Uh, we've had a lot of out of state business and pass through business and everything, but people have been so good to us. It's just been, it's again, like I keep finding myself in these kind of like pinch me it's awesome. moments. And, uh, you know, I have a tendency to kind of feel a little bit of, uh, right. Like it's like it's luck, but I, I think it's, it's been a set of decisions one after another that have just led exactly. me through this passion. Uh, and, and that's, that's been huge, you know, big part of this, but yeah, it's, it's been, that's it's sweet. crazy how much we've grown in, in the, the last couple of years. And that's what it sounds uh, like to me from just hearing your story here quickly is that, I mean, you put your time in, you know, talking about the angling report and doing all the, you know, getting into the industry, traveling and, you know, just connecting to people. Right. And probably all that led right up to, you know, the opportunity to be like, well, yeah, sure. I can do a fly shop if I'm already writing for Gray's Journal and stuff like this, you know, and traveling. <laughs> so I want to talk more, maybe a little more about the traveling because I'm really interested in that as well. And salt versus fresh and other destinations around the country. But let, sure. let's, let's jump into a little bit on the just back to Tennessee, do a little circle around the state for a little bit and then we'll um and then we'll take it back to maybe some other travel stuff but um so you were talking about just some of these spots you got kind of the obviously the smoky mountains one of the biggest destinations you know in the country you got more of the cold water stuff and then you got a lot of the 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 kind of warmer water stuff if somebody comes into your shop say today you know and they say hey i'm i'm looking to do some fishing or i supply fishing what what do you tell them if they don't have like exactly they say trout or smallmouth what do you tell them yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting thing, you know. The trout is obviously the the backbone uh, of of fly fishing. Is, is that when people come into your shop and they come into your shop? Do they out of the people that come in, like just random people? What percentage are coming in thinking trout, and then versus other stuff? It, it's it's always heavily skewed towards the trout for sure. And then, yeah. and then uh, what we end up doing is, you know, sometimes a, a good bit of con- convincing and and you know, like, Hey, have you ever thought of trying, uh, some smallmouth fishing? Because what we're really something that we have in our backyard that I never experienced in, in my travels throughout the Southeast and, and fishing warm water places is we have, you know, Chattanooga's just got some really beautiful landscape and these, these big hillsides and these gorgeous, these deep river gorges that, you know, if you, if you were to, to blindfold and, and drop someone off in these places, they would, you know, I don't, I don't think they would know where they were. You know, it, it's, you know, when you look at, at, at magazines and film, it might be something that someone's like, Oh, am I in the New Zealand back country? I mean, we're in this deep, no kidding, rocky boulderous gorge. 
uh, and there's crystal clear water, but we're fishing for, for native smallmouth and, and, and wow. red eye bass and, and things like that. And it's, it's more akin to like, you know, kind of uh, spot and stalk type fishing. Uh, and we've always got that stuff. And then in, in particular times of year, like we're coming up on fall right now, this is my favorite time of year in Chattanooga because the options are kind of endless. You know, we're, we're starting our trout stocking on local streams and, uh, that sort of thing. But in the summer months, we might convince a few people to go out and try something a little different and take that same, you know, five weight setup, uh, that you, you know, your trout setup and Hey, let's just change the flies and the tactic up a little bit and let you hike in the back country and see what you can do on some of these warm water streams. Uh, but definitely we, we set up people on, on trout trips yeah. and, and, and gear as much as, gotcha. as, as they want to, as, for sure. As they want to. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well let's take it down that for a little bit. If it was a trout and we were coming in and we were saying, Hey, I want to do some trout fishing. Then what's the next step? What, what would you tell the folks? Again, we're in the, it's fall, you know, now I guess this is a good time. Where would you be? Uh, what would you be telling people there? Yeah. So, uh, local options that we have in Chattanooga would be the first thing. Cause you know, it's nice to have an option within 30 minutes. Uh, again, so we, we have our, our streams like North Chickamauga Creek and big Soddy that, that we've worked with, uh, Tennessee wildlife agency, uh, TWRA. We've worked with them to develop these streams. They weren't part of any stocking program. And as a shop, we kind of reached out to them like, Hey, we've got an idea and they've been really receptive. And now we've like created these fisheries. Uh, where we're stocking some of those gorge uh, creeks that that kind of with like rainbow tributary into yeah and stocking them with rainbow trout and there's still the the native smallmouth within those and so we have like that local option set but mostly uh, you know we're gonna tell people about the Hiawassee River uh, that that yeah. drainage is is just so big and so much space and they put a yeah. lot of fish in and uh, it's really scenic so that one's easy to sell and you know if people are looking to float. Uh, we kind of set up float trips for them uh, on the Hiawassee. And as well, we do the same on the Elk River, which is kind of halfway between here and Nashville. Uh, the Elk River is a, is, a, is a tail race that comes out of Tim's Ford Reservoir. Uh, and that one is uh, a lot more private property and less leg room, but a great float trip. And we have guides that we work with on that river as well. And uh, and then, you know, the people that are a little more DIY, they don't want a, a guide or they don't want to approach big water. Yeah, we, we send them up to the teleco and uh, we're quick to, to always suggest that when visiting those regional areas, whether it's teleco or the Smokies, you know, hey, I'm, I'm happy to, to sell you a rod and uh, get you get you a set on some flies. But, you know, we're one good thing about this industry is I think we've always got each other's backs. And so I, you know, I'm quick to tell people like, Hey, you know, pop in Teleco outfitters, uh, go see Cody, oh, nice. go see Cody over there. He's, he's got that place dialed in or, or, you know, if you're up in the Smokies, go see Chad over at Smoky mountain angler. And, and, and I think that that's throughout the magazines, the shop, any, any history I've had and just being an angler as well. Uh, the, the kind of brotherhood and the community in fly fishing is so important. So we try and, we try and, uh, and and live that motto a little bit yeah. and, and spread the love a little and just, yeah, it's, it's a big community and, and we're all kind of 
working at the same thing. So we'll tell people to visit those shops if they go to, to real regional fisheries that are kind of a little more out of our, out of our range and expertise. Um, but yeah. Gotcha. So that's it. So Chattanooga, like you said, you got the, and is the Hiawassee, um, how close is that to Chattanooga? Both the uh, Hiawassee and Elk River, you know, are, are right at an hour. Um, oh, perfect. Know, yeah, it's it's nothing too bad. Teleco's two hours. Your Smokies and some of that yeah. are more two and a half to three. It's all right there. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So it's uh, if you're if you're a trout angler in the Chattanooga area, you, you're kind of used to to putting the rubber to the road a little bit to, yep. to, to scratch that itch until we created those local fisheries with, with uh, Tennessee wildlife resource agency. And now you'd be surprised, you know, at a, a Thursday afternoon yeah. on a, on a local stream in Chattanooga, you might pop out there and find, you know, 12 people with fly rods spread oh, wow. out throughout the, the, the creek there you system. Go. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yep. That's it. That's really cool. Nice. So, so that's kind of the, you got some, the trout game and then you've got some, and we've talked a lot about smallmouth too. That's a super amazing species yeah. that's out there. Um, and then as you guys go, let's just take it through the year a little bit. So, you know, we're in the September, October, as you start getting into, you know, closer to winter, I'm not even sure, you know, exactly what your winters look like, <laughs> but what does that look like as you look into like towards Christmas, like fishing wise? Yeah. I mean, one of the best parts, Dave, about this particular region is just the, the calendar. I mean, it's awesome. We, mm-hmm. we just, we fish year round. Uh, you know, it never gets too cold. I mean, we definitely get it, uh, you know, around January, February, it, it weeds out the, uh, the, the less, uh, diehard anglers, but you know, the, the fall is in my mind, that's, it, it's kind of funny. That's People it. know me. I, I didn't grow up. I, I learned to fly fish warm water and, uh, that's kind of always been my, like where my heart is, but I, I, I do love trout fishing and especially in the fall, but fall is also, I start out as a trout guy. And then as we get a little bit colder, uh, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking about musky season. Uh, Oh yeah. Musky. That, that one's, uh, it's not a bigger, it's not a very big, uh, there, there aren't a lot of people out there chasing musky. You know, a lot of people try it once or twice. As far as the diehards go, we've got a, a pretty good set of diehard people in Chattanooga. Um, but yeah, once once it turns to from fall to winter, uh, I'm I'm all in on the muskie until spring arrives cool. again. And, and oh, really? Uh, so that's it. And we're we're back uh, back chasing trout again. And the trout the trout fishing throughout the winter here and there as well. That's good. Well, why is the, and I'm going to touch on the trout there here, uh, after this, but, uh, so the muskie, what is that? Why is the muskie? I mean, so it sounds like, so November or something like that, you start thinking muskie and then it goes through until say March or something like that. Is that kind of what muskie looks like? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of November to May ish, uh, mm-hmm. depending on, on, on temperature. So we're, we're at the, the southernmost range of the muskie. So, Mm. that means essentially you know you take somewhere like my the the place we go up in the upper peninsula you know their musky season's almost the opposite of ours they're kind of winding down right now and we're all gearing up and and it's mainly to do with the southeast and and our our temperatures you know we we get up to uh we get up to to very dangerous water temperature levels for musky during the summer months 
And so it's just naturally kind of the season is always leaned towards the colder, the colder flows. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's it. And I mean, it's, it, it's something to occupy the brain during those cold months. And it's something about that, like that cold weather and musky fishing. They just kind of go hand in hand. It's some mm-hmm. big suck fest, you know, it's, uh, sure you're out there freezing, yeah. you're throwing, you know, gigantic flies for fish that you just start to believe aren't there, you know? Right. And, and then, you know, you take a bite of a sandwich and look down and one's sitting next to your fly. And it's, uh, oh, man. It, it's, uh, it's, there's reasons it's not for everyone, but we love it and promote it as, as much as we can yeah. and, and try and get people on trips to, to check it out. Uh, yeah. Where are you hitting around? Uh, I mean, what what does that look like as far as the waterways? Where, is it close around Chattanooga? Uh, there's there's some stuff with within you know kind of that that hour range. You know that's yeah. that's where it kind of spreads out. But it's it's actually more known more known to the fisheries around Cumberland Plateau and a little bit further out of Chattanooga. But again, uh, you know we're kind of used to to traveling an hour or so. But uh, yeah, those you, those fisheries are are pretty people keep those pretty close to the chest. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Those are pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. What are So if we went out, could you, could somebody come into the shop with you and, and hit you up and you can hook them up with a, a guide or what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, we're, we're all about that. And, uh, yeah, we've got some guides that, that dedicate their winter to musky. Um, and, and we, we try and give them as much business as possible. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we've got the flies, the rods, and and all of that. Mm-hmm. So on a gear perspective, yeah, we're all we're all ready to go. You got the gear. Yeah. How does that guide thing work with the? So it sounds like you've got just independent guides out there you know of, through, just kind of through the industry, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. We, then you connect them. They're not. You don't necessarily have staff on your shop that are working in the shop, sort of thing yet. Not yet. Yeah. So we're. Uh, we're hoping that this this fall is going to be the the start of our our actual guide in house guide service. But what we've essentially mm-hmm. done is found uh, guides in the region, uh, ones who are really known for being some of the best on their particular watersheds, and uh, we've kind of established relationships there, and and we send them you know a bunch of bunch of people on float trips and. Uh, it's kind of worked out very harmoniously for everyone. Um, that's not been to this point, like a big part of the business model, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, this, this fall we're, we're hoping to, to ramp up our own in-house, uh, guiding that's, you know, going to start off in the traditional kind of cold water fashion and, and maybe, maybe dabble into a little bit of the, the warm water stuff. But, um, but yeah, and it, you know, it's, it's good for everyone. Again, it's a part of that community thing. It's like, well, we could go guide this, this musky river and, but you know, why step on this guy's toes when he's already, he's already really good at it. And if we can establish that relationship, let's just, let's just prop him up. Let's just send him some business and, and have a, have a little bit more of a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Right on. Right on. That's, that's, no, that's a great idea. So you're connecting people. If they come in, you can connect them with the best guides in, in your region or your area. Exactly. And if it, if it's musky or trout, like you said, the Smokies, there's a couple of shops up north. How many shops are there around? I mean, just guesstimating, I guess, Tennessee, the state itself. Do you know? Do you have a rough uh, idea? You know, 
there's the big ones that stand out, you know, fly South yeah. Nashville's a, a, a big reputable shop. And then there's, okay. there's, there's some stuff up towards Knoxville and Teleco Outfitters, which I'd ma- mentioned, but I, I'd say there's probably yep. five or six, uh, you know, that, that stand out to me, you know, yeah. dedicated fly shops. There you go. Yeah. Dedicated. Right. Right. Cool. So that, and that's five or six. Yeah. Probably right around all the, the major areas. Yeah. Um, Memphis is, we haven't talked much about Memphis. That's down in the corner. Yeah. I don't know much about Memphis to, to be honest. Yeah. You don't, you haven't been down there too much. Uh, you know, college football games when I was, uh, yeah. Back, back in the day. It's know, a long ways. Old, when, yeah, it is. It's a little, it's a little bit of a haul. Yeah. It's a little haul. When you look at Tennessee, that's a, that's a long ways away for sure. And, and the, they're in a much uh, lower, warmer elevation than even us over oh, here. So it's uh, the big, gotcha. the big muddy, you know, the Mississippi River. That's right over there. Yeah, and I'm the sure there's lots of opportunities in that region as well. But you don't hear much about it. Yeah, yeah, it's the other side. I mean, literally, it's on the border, way over there. By I mean, it's on your way to the White River, right? It's all sorts of. There's yeah, as you go around, yeah, the country. As I've been doing this, just talking to you know, we've done episodes all every state. Um, that's the take home message is that, and that's, what's fun to me is that learning about these States, you know, because if you never went to Tennessee, you would never know about the resources, right? You might not even know there's smoky mountains are right there, you know, in your area. So, so, well, let's keep this rolling on. So we've got the muskie and it sounds like you're fishing those pretty hard through the winter. And then there's some stuff in between too, you know, it, it, it's not just trout and muskie. I mean, uh, you know, the last, this is about the time of year. I'm also, uh, a lot of our striped bass that are kind of in these reservoirs, you know, they run up the trout streams during the summer month for, for cold water and to, to gorge themselves on trout. Uh, and then this is the time of year where they return to those, to the reservoirs. Um, and so we have access to some, some pretty good striper bites, um, you know, during the, the fall, Mm-hmm. Uh, winter time, you know, there, there's, there's some of that, but also just good bass fishing out on the lake. I mean, here in, uh, Chattanooga, just our, our, the lake just North of, of town, uh, Lake Chickamauga, you know, it's one of the best bass fishing lakes in the nation. Uh, you know, a top fiver for sure. And, and there's huge bass out there and for small this time of year, uh, large mouth. Oh, for largemouth, gotcha. Yeah, there's smallmouth in there as well, and 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 a ton of spotted bass. But uh, you know, the the lake fishing for bass is really good in the, in the winter as well. But the, you start to get into kind of a a different category once you leave the trout, musky included. Where uh, this is this is boat water. You know, you mm-hmm. you need a you need some sort of vessel to to even really get mm-hmm. out there and get after it. Uh, and that is one thing about our region. While we do have a bunch of these smaller creeks, like I was talking about and some of the trout fisheries, it's a really, it's really known for big water. Um, mm. so the minute you're, you're water bound, you know, whatever vessel of your choice, your, your options open up at, at like exponentially. There's, yeah. there's a lot more out there once you're in a boat. Gotcha. What's your boat of choice these days? Uh, I'm, I'm running a, a hog Island. Uh, it's kind of funny. It's just happened where both of my employees also have hog islands. Hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, our landscape, again, you can go from these big water reservoirs to really skinny, rocky creeks. It's a very kind of naturally rocky area. So 
you know, we've ran, I've ran some fiberglass stuff before and seemed to always get myself in the hot water there. And so we've, if you're familiar with the hogs, they're plastic. It's a fully plastic skiff. We did a, uh, we did a little series on drift boats, um, kind of history and stuff a while back. So this is kind of interesting. I have not uh, seen or talked to the hog Island folks yet. So this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they actually do make a, uh, an all plastic drift boat as well. But what we're talking about, it's like a 16 skiff. foot, uh, skiff, you know, yeah. really wide platform that you can just beat up, mm. um, you know, <laughs> whether you have a jet or a prop mm. or, or however you choose to set them up. Some people row them, uh, you know, set up with, with row systems and you set it up more like a skiff, more like a drift boat or a little bit of, you know, a Swiss army knife, which is kind of how I've set mine up. But yeah, so, uh, you know, need a boat to, to access all these water types, you know, and we're, we're polling in the summer, we're polling carp flats and fishing for carp and buffalo and, and gar on the flats. And so I need something that I can pole and then you know, the, the fall comes around and maybe chasing those striper and need something with a trolling motor and get below the dams or out on the reservoirs. And then, you know, you either own three boats or you own one that's good enough at all three right. things. Right. Do you have three? <laughs> Do you have one for each? No, no, no. I've got, I've got one just set up in that Swiss army yeah. style with a pulling platform and, you know, what, what's the specs about to set it up for rowing. I'm just curious for the specs. What is the one that's the Swiss Army knife of the Hog Island boat? Is it just that? It, well, they only make the one skiff model, but it's just how you set it up. Oh, you know, gotcha. Do you, do you yeah. have a front casting pulling platform, yeah. a pulling platform, a rowing yeah. frame? A, well, they, they've got one here. I think this is the one on their website under the, I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, cool. it, it's a boat. It's obviously, it's got a huge motor. I mean, it's got like a third, a, a giant motor. Then it's got a pulling platform. It's got oars, like full on drift boat yeah. oars. I mean, this thing has everything on it. And then it's only a little, it looks like it's like a, I don't know what that is, a 14, 16 foot boat, but it's got all this stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've recently come out with a smaller model, which I've not gotten eyes on. I think it's very like in prototype right now, but uh, yeah, it's like 16, four, uh, mm. really, really wide boat really like stable platform uh which is important if you're you know going to do some of the guiding that we're we're looking at and uh but yeah it's 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 kind of cool it's uh we're, we're figuring it out so a boat is a good uh tool to have out there um well and you mentioned again so now you you we talked musky you mentioned striper bass gar i mean all that stuff is like winter time is great you know, starting kind of this time of year through the winter. What else are we missing here species-wise? I guess you could add brook trout, right? If you want to talk trout to that or... Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's it's kind of interesting. If you look, uh, if you were to go, you know, here at my house right now, if you were to go up and, and look at my, my kind of rod uh, storage area, it's funny, uh, you know, a lot of 11 weights, 10 weights, that's the, the musky mm -hmm. striper thing. Uh, a lot of eight weights as well. And then, you know, I've got a couple fives and then I've got a lot of three weights, you know, mm. that's, that's, if that tells you anything, that's like where my interests are. It's like, yeah, I do enough, uh, do a lot of the big predator chasing stuff, whether it's streamers for trout on, on some tailwaters or musky or striper. But, uh, then the majority of my trout rods are all small so that, I, I just love getting in, you know, the blue line stuff, chasing whether it, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily brook trout, although we do have some of that in the region closer to Teleco and, and some of those areas, but just wild trout streams, 
three weights, four weights, dry flies and, and hungry wild fish. I mean, that's something that we can always, uh, set people up for as well. Um, yeah. but it, it's funny how my, my interests are generally towards like one spectrum or the other. I'm, you're way more likely to find me personally on a, on a brook trout stream or, or a musky stream than you are to maybe bump into me on the, the Hiawassee or something the like that. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. i I love both. I love it all, but the, yeah. those two spectrums, the small intimate or the big predator stuff is really what does it for me. That's it. Right on. Well, uh, we've kind of circled around here a little bit. I think we've talked about a number of the species. What, um, so as you get into, into May, June, then you're back around to, uh, what, what are you, what are you looking at there? If somebody's thinking about hitting your area? Yeah. So at that point, you know, tailwater trout still going, uh, we're, we're always going to, that, that's kind of year round, uh, mm. the tailwaters, mm. you know, that's the beauty of a tailwater, right? It, it's kind of more yep. stable, uh, water temperatures that kind of, you know, produce the right, uh, the right setting year round for, for trout. But, uh, yeah, for me personally, I'm, I'm definitely on top of the polling platform, staring at a mud flat somewhere <laughs> looking are. for, looking for, for carp. And, uh, if you're familiar with Buffalo, um, no, no, what's, what's the deal with Buffalo? Buffalo are something that I knew nothing about before moving to this region and then uh, have quickly kind of like fallen in love with them uh, in a sense of just the challenge. Uh, you know, carp are hard enough to to feed, but these buffalo, which, you know, to the, you know, to someone who, who maybe didn't know any better might think that they are a carp species. I've even heard them mistakenly called like a buffalo carp but they're they're actually not at all they're they're a native species that you know we we get them in in both smallmouth buffalo and black buffalo uh and they're kind of big scaly ventral mouths that are bottom feeders like a, a carp you know big scales on the side but they're uh but they're a native species and they're they're really interesting you know they're they're these big gentle giants and and uh they live just so long, you know, some of my, I, I think they've been studied up to like 65 years old or something. Wow. They, they're just <laughs> these ancient, uh, God. fish swimming around and they'll, they'll really humble you because they're, they're mostly, uh, in a sense, kind of a filter feeder. Uh, oh, it's interesting. Right. They, uh, they just swim around all day, just hovering up the, the bottom of, of these flats and they're looking for clams and, and small bugs, but like 40% of their diet is like compacted sand because <laughs> <laughs> they, they just hover up everything. And, and so it's really, really tough to, you have to place a fly perfectly or they have to see it. And it's, uh, Oh wow. But once, once they're hooked, you know, you might see some of that on our, on our Instagram, but once they're hooked, they're, uh, they're a powerhouse. They're a little freight oh, wow. train. Are they as challenging as carp? In a sense, more so, uh, and, and in another way, not, you know, we're, we're with carp and we're pulling on them, you know, you have to make that the minute you see them, if you don't have a shot just about ready, it's not going to generally pan out for you because they're very weary. The Buffalo are not weary, but they're hard to feed. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes we can get a lot closer to the Buffalo, but, um, and then at, at the same time when we're chasing those, there's, uh, Usually on those same sets of flats, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of spotted gar mm. that are kind of cruising those same same habitats. And in the in the early spring, they're mostly mating, so you'll see them in big pairs. It's still fun to watch, but you know, not really great for fishing. But 
as it rolls into the summer, you know, you might be carp fishing. All of a sudden you see the silhouette of a, of a gar crossing a flat and you might have a, a few seconds to pick up a different rod and, and quickly sling a, a streamer in that direction. Uh, and so we're out on the flats doing a lot of summer, summer fishing. Uh, and we do, you know, have a lot of that available to us. It's kind of, people don't associate obviously flats fishing with a, with a, a landlocked state like Tennessee, but you know, all of this water, these reservoirs, the tributaries like pouring into those reservoirs, they, they just provide a lot of like really skinny water, uh, bays and, and, and type of habitat where we can get out there and, and sight fish, which is, you know, coming from that background with, uh, the angling report and the magazines where I was doing all this salt water. I mean, I'm a, you know, if you gave me one, one last trip, I'm going to go to the yeah. salt for sure. It's you are. just kind of, that's, that's. That's my love. I, I do love it, but I live in Tennessee. And so I've found ways to kind of accommodate and scratch that itch yep. uh, of, of sight fishing. Cause that, that's the first thing that I think draws people to bonefish and redfish and, and a lot of those saltwater fisheries. It's just, man, seeing a, a moving target and trying to place a fly and, and all the anxiety and excitement that goes with it. That's, that's everything. So we're kind of finding and recreating that, uh, here in our local fishery so it's pretty cool wow yeah that's it's a, you're kind of like yeah you can do it year round almost right and yeah and that you and got yeah no i was just gonna say and that's also the time of year where you know we want to get up and, and chase those those brook trout you know right a pair of shorts and a good hiking boot and like get up there deep in the back country and look for some wild fish i know yeah you're painting a really cool picture because you know it's the diversity it sounds like which makes that area pretty cool is that you do have trout, but at the same time, you've got, you know, like this fish, you know, buffalo, you know, like these species that I think, do you see that in your fly fishing? I mean, you've been doing this a little while now. Have you seen that evolution um, of where it was kind of like, well, it was trout, you know, the trout from river runs through it, but yeah. now it's like buffalo and everything. Have you, have you witnessed that a little bit? Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there's, I, I love seeing the, the fringier species get their due, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I'm a huge, huge gar guy. Uh, that uh, That's also what I'll... So, you know, we were talking about spotted gar, like crossing on flats and being in that habitat. But the Tennessee River itself, you know, this big, huge river we're on with all the... Yep. You know, it's it's Reservoirs. dams and docks and, yeah. and barge traffic and everything. But there's a, a lot of like long nose gar out there. And, you know, I've done uh, several stories now on gar and trying to kind of paint a better picture of that species because I think they're, I think they're such a cool fish and, yeah, and they are. you know, going back to childhood memories, I distinctly remember the first time I saw a gar, you know, I, I was at a, a friend's, uh, lake house, uh, in, in South Carolina and I saw this, you know, this big yellow like fish hanging out around his dock and I, you know, called my, my dad down there is like, what, you know, what, Oh, it's just an old gar. And I'm like, well, whatever it is, I love it. Hmm. You know, I, I distinctly yeah. remember being like that. That's a cool fish. Why is everybody, you know, kind of maligning this fish or, you know, hmm. exactly. passing it off. It's just like, eh, what is that? But yep. I've been obsessed with them ever since. And, and so much so that, you know, yeah, I've written some articles and, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of recently, finding myself on the cusp of, of doing something sort of cool. And it was never the intent. I just always fished for gar wherever I've gone, uh, whether it was in the Everglades on, on trips and, you know, 
we we like to go down to the to the Gulf of Mexico on family trips and I'll chase chase them down there and now I'm found myself on the cusp of this really cool opportunity to catch all five species oh, wow. of North American gar and and I'm just one away and it's no one kidding. that's actually kind of regional to this area and so I'm like you know and it, it, it wasn't ever the intent but it's kind of cool you know and, and yeah thinking about you know if there's a, another story to be told there about just things i've learned a, a, across the country chasing these fish and you could probably clarify i'm looking at episode we did uh, john morris uh, recently episode 361 yeah we focused on gar and he mentioned another guy i'm not sure if you know i think more down in that area uh, but uh, at professor uh, underscore rivers i guess he's a gar kind of like you probably professor. knows all the yeah yeah, knows all the stuff, but um, in here Definitely. I guess yeah, there's seven. So alligator gar, spotted gar, long nose gar, Florida gar, slender gar. Are are those all? What are the five? Because you said there were five well, different subspecies, or and, and I've heard the slender thing pop up during yeah. like pe people maybe in the shop same. would be talking about it, but that one I I'm not to my knowledge is is not an actual gar. The yeah. one is, as I understand it, uh, you have the the five north american which is the alligator gar uh you've which is you know the biggest yeah most huge. formidable kind of the, yep. the one that that probably <laughs> captivates people most uh second biggest uh size wise uh being the long nose gar mm -hmm. uh then you have the spotted gar which are notably smaller um but you know probably one that i fish for just about evenly with long nose and then you have the short nose gar oh. and the Florida gar and Florida. And so the, the one that I have yet to, to catch. And if anyone's listening to this and you want to make a guy's, you know, dreams come true and you have a good line on a short nose gar hole. Nice. <laughs> it, it, uh, it would, it would mean a lot to me. And I, it's something that just in the last couple months, I kind of realized like, Oh wow. Cause I went down to Mississippi on a family vacation and took the skiff down there and I caught my first alligator gar. Uh, and then it like hit me like, oh wow, like a sh I'm a short nosed gar away from catching all of the, yeah, all of the species of North America. And then outside of North America, there is still, yeah, although I believe it's be like somewhat, uh, you know, I, I think it's endangered is the Cuban gar. Mm -hmm. And then there's the tropical gar, which tropical. is more south of South America. Yeah, that's the um, other. So I did have seven species there, but yeah, the the two are outside North America, and we will hit yeah. you up. I'm hoping uh, there's somebody listening now, at least a person <laughs> or two that that know, because obviously, like I said, we've de definitely have some people out in your neck of the woods, and we're going to send them out to your shop uh, for sure if they if they can hook you up there. Sure, and and my my upcoming trip to the to the Upper Peninsula, I think. You know, there there might be an attempt to uh, to locate something yep. along our our path Love that. to to maybe just just find that that short nosed gar and document it and and, and maybe try and, and dovetail the the whole endeavor into uh, something bigger than than myself. You know, try and bring awareness to to these species and either an article. You know, mm -hmm. kind of got the rough notes in my head of yeah of an article i've been writing but uh yeah just just trying to raise awareness about like these exactly. awesome native ancient fish that that have really been unnecessarily maligned all these years i know 
I know that's that's what John was saying in that episode. That yeah, I mean they just been they just got hammered, you know, because people didn't didn't understand them, didn't know how amazing they are. So I feel like there's still opportunities, right? You know, like having folks like you out there and John and others, they're like, okay, this is like putting them on the map and saying, hey, we got to protect these species that they're important. So that's really cool. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars. Made in Washington by a small team of passionate outdoor enthusiasts, the range team only uses the highest quality gluten-free ingredients that they feel good about fueling their outdoor adventures with, and they don't use brown rice syrup as a primary sweetener. Anyone who knows me will tell you that I am a little freaky about bars. I just got back from the store and grabbed myself a few bars. I always love testing and eating everything. My top is always... Uh, has always been recently uh, pro bars and now with range i've been loving the range meal bar the cool thing about range is is that not only does it pack some flavor it packs a powerful punch and with 700 calories this thing can save the day if you missed a meal even if that's dinner this thing is going to keep you going so if you're like me and you always need a bar to keep that uh, that body going that blood sugar flowing everything going good then you got to check out range right now 700 calories like i said a legitimate full meal replacement the range bar is small enough to fit in your hand slides easily in the pocket of your fly vest uh pouch your backpack whatever you need to do you can check them out right now wetflyswing.com slash range r-a-n-g-e check it out you are going to get a delicious bar that is going to pack a punch and at the same time support a great small company and this podcast. Okay, back to the show. As we dig into this, there's all these topics that keep popping up, you know, I mean, Gar, obviously, I, I always think like, okay, if I was go down there, what would I want to go for it if I had to pick one, which is never an easy, you know, question to answer. But Gar would be up there because it's just such a unique fish, you know? I mean, I would yeah. love, you know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, musky, yeah. of course, I, you know, that's another one for sure. Um, but I don't know what I would say. If, if somebody said that to you, maybe you've already mentioned that, but what is your, is it is it musky? Is that the one that when you're like, you can only in your area that you could just chase throughout the year? You know, uh, we've kind of, so so a big part of the shop is like, we we do a lot of events, you know, we, we have, uh, like our fall oyster roast is coming up on October 22nd. My dad comes up from South Carolina with a bu- couple bushels of oysters and we have a, we have TFO rods there and we kind of uh-huh. throw a big party and then we have our spring kickoff. And we also have in the middle of the, at the beginning of summer, our, our annual fly fishing tournament, the anything goes where we have essentially set it up as, you know, a multi-species event where, uh, you get one point for the biggest of any species. So the, the intent being that you, you have to catch a lot of species, get mm-hmm. out there and like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a really cool format, but the reason I bring it up is it's kind of become like a somewhat of a mascot of the shop and of our tournament. And, uh, we have in this area, the, what do you know about Tennessee tarpon? Oh, Tennessee tarpon. Wow. I don't know. I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the, uh, it's a misnomer. It's the, it's the nickname of the, the skip Jack Herring. Oh yeah. Uh, a Herring, you know, it's a, yep. most people would assume it's a big shad. Um, and we have an abundance of it in this area and, and they're in different, you, you target them in different areas throughout the year. 
but it's one that we've put a lot of people on because, you know, there's areas where you can just go below a dam in town and they're, they're schooling up, you know, small bait fish and they're busting on top water. And it's a very visual kind of fun thing. I mean, they're, they're full on blitzing out there some days. Hmm. Um, and that, that, that species I think has been for a lot of people like the, it, it, it's been the gateway drug to, to warm water fishing because we, we get people out there, tell them where to find them. And then they see them blitzing and shad are flying in the air oh, as wow. they're just swiping ah, through them. And, that's cool. and you can go out there and throw into them and, and catch your fill on good days. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of a, a, a fun little, little side species that's kind of throughout all these like we're talking about like the calendar of fishing in this mm -hmm. region peppered in between all of those seasons and, and times a year are, are the skipjack, you know, at different mm -hmm. times a year they're, they're here, they're there, but they're always kind of omnipresent here. And they're actually a really fun fly rod fish to, to catch them on a five or six weight. You know, they, they get, I think state records, uh, you know, closer to five pounds than mm -hmm. four pounds. So they don't get particularly huge, but they fight, really hard they jump they're very acrobatic and they look like uh you know for all intents and purposes they look like baby tarpon mm -hmm. you know they have the same kind of jawline and, and some of the similar features in the way they jump and shake their heads and so it's just a real visual kind of fun fishery that's just always kind of it's always an option you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's always, always there. there and a lot of people have fun with that. Wow. Another one. So we're, we're making the species list is looking pretty juicy now as we're, <laughs> as we're going into this. Um, yeah. Well, what are we, if we just circle around, what else have we met? Have we missed anything as far as species, time of year, places? I mean, I kind of wanted to take us around Tennessee a little bit and I think we've done that. You know, we've talked, yeah. you know, maybe not as much about the, like we said, the Western part, but uh, it sounds like mm -hmm. you can probably connect with somebody, a shop in Memphis, if they wanted to dig into that, that part of the state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, probably the one that, uh, people might be surprised I didn't spend more time on is the small mouth because I do yeah, love small I know. mouth. I know. Um, it's, uh, again, you know, in, in our direct region, you're, uh, you're either kind of doing that small Creek gorge fishing for smaller, small mouth, like little native, mm -hmm. uh, fisheries up there. But we also have them in our Tennessee river and, and the reservoirs and, that that's a lot of fun smallmouth are you know it, it yep. people always kind of laugh at, at the shop you know whether it's a a jar of a certain streamer that we have set up on top of the you know it's, sometimes if we sell a lot of a streamer we'll just throw it in a jar so there's just a hundred of them in a jar and mm -hmm. it, we'll write little descriptions you know this is for and often i'll write you know this one will work for trout smallmouth and bass <laughs> because I, I yeah. definitely like have a habit of distinguishing smallmouth as a, as a totally different thing. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a special fish, not, not to, to nothing against, you know, large mouth and spotted bass and that sort of thing. But I, I feel to lump them in with just bass is, is just a, it's a discredit to, to that species. I mean, they're, generally in a little different habitat and they act differently and they're just such an amazing fish. And, uh, again, one that kind of brought me back to, to fly fishing. So my history with them and everything, uh, is pretty great, but, uh, we're, yep. we're big on smallmouth for sure. 
And the reason I didn't dig into smallmouth in this one, we've actually dug in. I mean, we had, um, you know, 273 Tim Land where it went into like sight fishing for small. And obviously these are Tim, around the country. You know, Tim. Tim is amazing. Yeah. So he, uh, his operation guides on the river that our cabin is on. Oh, wow. There uh, you go. Nice. And, and the Menominee. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. So you're on the Menominee. <laughs> Menominee. I can even say it. Yeah. And, and, and it's one of those things. It's interesting that to, to be able to say it out loud because, you know, five years ago, uh, before Tim and his guys had kind of turned the corner of, uh, you know, trying to get the word out about the, the problems facing the Menominee with the big mine mm. and everything, uh, for years and years before that. Cause they, you know, they guide right in front of our house and apparently we live on one of their more favorite stretches of the river. And I would, you know, they'd be floating by and I'd offer them a beer because I'm usually out there fishing. Like I, you know, invite them, you know, to the to dock at the front yard and like <laughs> we could give them a beer or a break or anything like that. But, uh, you nice. know, the, historically it was always like a, you know, never named the Menominee. Oh, right. And even, Secret. even in, when I was in the magazines, you know, there were a few photo essays in Gray Sporting Journal from, from that river. But, you know, it was always kind of a, yeah, you know, somewhere in, in northern Wisconsin. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, well, I think the secret. I think the secret's out now. Yeah, and 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 for a good reason, right? Yeah, like we're trying to to raise yep. awareness about about the the mine there, and the worst part. Well, maybe not the worst part, but for me personally, and for my family personally, uh, the projected mine is no more than a like a quarter mile upstream of oh, our house. Oh God, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much our backyard. So what um, is the status? I was going to ask you a little about on the conservation. I love to dig into that where I can just to say, Hey, is there a group? Is there an a, a event? Is there anything? So is that what you would say if, if people listening out, if they wanted to help get involved, is that one thing, something they can do there? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's an awareness game and just the more eyes that are on it, the, the worse the optics look for people trying to sneak in the back door and, and make these, yep. these, uh, you know, environmental disastrous decisions. I, I think it becomes harder and harder for them to, to make those decisions. The more people that know about it and it, it's a, it's a special part of the country and a really, really beautiful river that, uh, is, is worth protecting. And obviously Tim, I'm sure, uh, talked about ways that yep. people can, can get involved with that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, I don't, it's weird to talk about it out loud now Yeah, because there, there's still that like, yeah, it's still your little baby. It's still your yeah, baby. Keep it, keep it secret. Keep it safe. You know, yeah, but, uh, I can imagine, I can imagine with the cabin it, on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that's it's really not cool. a, not a good situation, but the, those people up there, they're, they're, they're fighting it. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's places like I mean, I was, was other episodes. You know, we Mike Schultz talked about smallmouth as well, kind of Michigan here on river. So I mean, we've that's the cool thing about smallmouth. I mean, it, all over the country, right? I'm not sure. It probably is the maybe that species that is everywhere, right? I mean, it seems like it is. I've talked in whether it's west, east, south, north, right? Smallmouth are kind of everywhere. Yeah, and wherever they are, people are generally Going obsessed with them. So. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. But yeah. Well, I think uh, in that, uh, and, and just going back to that, the group. So on that deal that's going on, they're trying to build. Uh, what is the? What are they? What's the danger up there? What are they building? It is a just enormous open pit mine 
Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, you know, I don't, I don't have the stats, in front sure. of me, but like when they, when they list the, the acreage involved in the pit they want to take, it's, Dude. it's, it's no small feat. Um, and I want to say it's copper ore. Yeah. Um, something like that. Right. But regardless, you know, it, it's kind of like a pebble mine and, and yeah. all of these other things. It's, it's a shame that, uh, that waterways, especially as an angler, it's especially infuriating, but just in general, it's a shame that these big operations always have to be tied to, to a, a waterway and, yeah, and I know. the dangers that then inherently come to that waterway from, yep. you know, whether it's leakage or seepage totally. or just, you know, the, it's the, the list it's goes on the water. It's um, always the water, the water pays the price and, and, and then the fish and, and, and everything, fish tied to that whole ecosystem so yep. it's just a you know uh, and and i think one of the big problems up there is you know canadian mining company tearing mm. up american soil sure uh sure. poisoning you know native american fish and and yeah it's just it's not good no. <laughs> you know what whatever uh whatever can be done i'm sure they're they're doing it and I, i'm not all that connected because yeah. we you know usually yeah, only get up there north. once a year yeah. but uh, Tim and those guys have done a good job raising the flag. I'll, I'll definitely connect folks to Tim and, uh, and we can put some information in the show notes. What is just on this track on, on down in your area? What is there a, is there a conservation group or issue you'd like to highlight just as something that, you know, down more towards Chattanooga or is everything all, everything all good down there? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, it's a major, major watershed with with development all on it and there there's yeah. things that we definitely need to to be more focused on and uh you know our battles seem to be uh very often with uh being that so many dams and, and tailwaters are our, our, our fights usually center around army corps of engineers and and tennessee yep. valley authority and and trying to you know just this past year establish new minimum water flows on the Caney gotcha. Fork River. And there's just, you know, it, it's a it's a more modern fight mm -hmm. uh in, in in a sense of, you know, essentially yeah, it takes developed. some politicking to to get things done. Um but you know, we're uh we're we're for the most part free of any big disastrous <laughs> any yep. kind of uh big conservational problems that that we're facing at the moment but they're they're there and uh we hope to address some of those over time and help these fisheries stay healthy right on nice well i think i think i feel pretty good about tennessee if i was going to be driving through with the family you know we, we could swing in down through chattanooga which is actually one place i've always wanted to go you know what i mean it sounds that whole part of the, the country is pretty cool yeah um, but, yeah but yeah we can check in with you and the winter now tell me this if, if you're coming when is the time when it gets a little like when would be the good time to do a road trip out there? Do you think the best time if you're somebody's going to oh, cruise man. across the, the fall? I mean, right yeah. now, get right in now. the car right, right now. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just such a special time of year. I mean, the landscape, you know, the trees are all lit up and the, the yeah. waters, what waters cold and clear. And, uh, you know, it's just so much option. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say fall is is the particular okay. season that for me just kind of illustrates the beauty of this area. It's such a, such a cool region. Uh, lots of great people, um, mm -hmm. lots of stuff to do. Perfect. Perfect. Well, 
I'll do my best. I know there's people on all ages listening, but there's definitely people that are close to retirement and they they love these episodes where we kind of dig into different places in the country because they're going to be traveling around, right? And they're campers or whatever. So hopefully some folks will step on, stop by your place as we go. Um, I want to touch just as we get out of here, the, the magazines, are you still, uh, are you doing all of that? Have you cut down on some? No, of that? no yeah, I, I'm, I'm this man. I, I don't have much time outside of the fly shop. Uh, so, so when I, when I purchased the shop, uh, that was, that was my end run with, uh, with the more sporting group, uh, you know, left on, on, on good terms with those, those guys, they're, they're all some of my favorite people to date. I learned so much from them in that time period, but these days, you know, between a wife, two kids and a, and a fly shop that up until very recently, I was pretty much running by myself for, for the majority of that time, just trying to grow it slow and steady. And, uh, now, uh, you know, I've got, got a couple employees and Mm -hmm. it buys me a Saturday morning to come talk to you. And, you know, my family's very happy that I'm, I'm starting to find maybe a day or two during the week to, to step away from shop duties. But, uh, yeah, just, it's a, it's beyond a full-time gig. That's at it. this point. So yeah, it's, it's a labor of love though. I love that place. You that's know, good. See, that's the thing you found. It kind of sounds like your passion. I, we've had that come up a number of times with shop folks that, you know, they, they were doing it and then they got into the shop and then they realized, wow, I'm, I literally am stuck in the shop. I can't get out of here. <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah. if you love it, that that's great. But if you, yeah, if you feel stuck, then maybe, uh, but I think you, it sounds like you're on track to get some, some more help. So that's good. Yeah. You begin to live vicariously through your customers, you know, (laughs) you, you find enjoyment through, you know, giving someone that, that particular streamer or fly and they go somewhere and send you a picture. Yeah. That's great. You know, I, 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 it's almost like guiding, you know, you kind of find the enjoyment through the enjoyment of others. Yeah. Uh, And so that's a big part of the shop. And, you know, these days the biggest compliment someone can give me personally is that they like the shop. That's, Mm-hmm. that's that's and we get that a lot we've been really fortunate we got a a certain vibe i guess for lack of a better term that we've kind of we've kind of cultivated there mm-hmm. and you know just last night friday afternoons there's a beer bar built in the shop that's there's right probably about that's right 10 12 people up there Perfect. having an afternoon beer and it's just such a good community oh man just, that's awesome love it. Yeah. what do you have there what, what's on do you, do you actually have stuff on tap or is this out of can yeah, we have two taps and then a bunch of a bunch of cans, and we try and keep it to local. Well, I, I always tell it's like local ish plus PBR. Oh yeah, PBR. <laughs> oh, so you don't have any? So yeah, I'm curious about that. Do you guys have the the local micro like IPs yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, we we try and support a bunch of our Chattanooga's. You know, one of these towns where you know you're starting to have a brewery in every yeah every kind of borough or neighborhood within Chattanooga. So we, we try and support those. Uh, those breweries and, and have local options. So if people maybe come in from out of town, they can try something local and then the locals can perfect can have it oh, as man, well. So cool. But yeah. So you can come in there and so you don't have to wait till Friday. You can grab a beer uh, like midday at the shop. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh, nice. it, it's, you, you know, I, all credit goes to, to Nate, the Godfather for that idea. That's uh, a great the, idea. The beer bar built in. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not gonna, make us rich you know we don't we don't no, promote no, it more. to the public but man sure. it's so good for just the just the culture and, and we're big on events 
So again, mm-hmm. oyster roast Friday night, fly tying nights on the first Friday of each month and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. It just, you know, it never hurts to have a cold beer around when you're doing that stuff. Exactly. Love that. What's your, what's your beer what, or what's your beverage of choice if you had to pick your one on Friday night? Tequila. <laughs> oh, there you go. No, yeah, I, you know, I, I love a good, good craft beer. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm a tequila guy. But we, we don't, we don't uh, serve tequila. Or anything no, like that. not yet. If not you yet. ask me personally, it's, it's a, you know, probably a nice, nice tequila. Tequila. All right, good. Um, <laughs> right on. Well, this sounds. You've painted a great picture, and I, I definitely am going to hit you up here down the line. I hope some people check you out. Um, I just want to take it away here. Just a couple, like on the travel. You mentioned you've been around. I mean, when you look at the travel, if you do get that time to do a trip, uh, you know, out there on salt, where are you heading? Do you have a, like a lodge or a place that you really have been wanting to get to or one that you've been to in the past? You know, it's, uh, for me, it comes down to species a little mm-hmm. bit more. I'm a tarpon guy. That's, okay. Yep. Tarpon. I, so, I love tarpon and, and anywhere yeah. I can chase them. Uh, you know, I, I have a, I do kind of follow, you know, I've got my guides, right. That that's something interesting that kind of happens in salt, uh, a little bit more maybe than in, in fresh, but you kind of, you kind of attach yourself to these guides. And so, uh, my buddy court Dothit, uh, down in the Tampa Bay area, Oh yeah, he, he, he's my, he's my kind of, uh, Gulf Tampa guy. Like he, he puts me on, on tarpon, uh, every year. Those guys run a good outfit, uh, down nice. there. And then, uh, you know, uh, Captain Paul Ray, uh, book dates with him, uh, down in the Keys next mm-hmm. year for tarpon and yeah, maybe some redfish here or there. So I, I typically go by, by species, but there are those people that kind of draw me to different opportunities where if those guys cook up something, I'm going. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. What, what's your, just as we take it out of here on uh, Tennessee, back to Tennessee here, what, is there a, um, if somebody wants to go into this, they want to dig deeper, is there some sort of a, like a resource or, you know, I mean, we talked about the fly shops, but if they want to learn more about all the, these, these areas around Tennessee, what would you recommend? Yeah. Uh, it, that's a good question because it, at this point it is the fly shops and, and the guys yeah. that are, that are kind of the yep. resource because there's, there's no fly no, fishing Tennessee. Yeah. There's currently to my knowledge, there's no book or, or resource in production that that specifically targets Tennessee, and I do happen to know uh, some people uh, who are maybe interested in writing that book. Oh, cool! Um, nice. But we'll we'll see what what comes of it. But yeah, I mean, just and and that's that's the cool thing about fly shops, and it's the reason that they're still around, right? It's like yeah, there's it this. It's it's a ongoing. A living legacy for the for the resource and for information so if you ever have any questions yeah like i said uh look up the local fly shop that's just mm-hmm. you know something that's i do whenever i go somewhere and, and and i hope that people do whenever they travel it's just try and look up those places and don't be afraid to to stop in with questions you know yep no i'm a, this is great uh, seth i think uh, we'll send everybody out today to uh the hatchoutfitters.com to connect with you and everything you have going and uh yeah man i definitely appreciate all the time today it's been fun i know we we can't always hit on everything but maybe we'll get you on again to talk gar down the line or another species you want to but this has been a lot of fun thanks for the time i'm all in thanks dave i really appreciate the opportunity so there it is we are go for landing wetflyswing.com slash 372 
you know that's the place to get your transcript to get the links to get some videos and to check out what that tennessee tarpon looks like i know you're interested tennessee tarpon just rings and rolls off the tongue reminder if you get a chance please share this episode with one other person say i would thank you and this is the way that we have been growing this show one listener at a time right in your app is a real easy button click down there and it will say share probably if you scroll down click that link copy it share it out and i thank you in advance for supporting fly fishing and all the brands that support us Got a couple more winners. Uh, this is for the Top Fly Challenge. Wanted to remind you, we have three new winners that are getting a new fly box, jam-packed with flies, and this was just from going to the Top Fly Challenge. Wetflyswing.com slash topfly. We've been giving out uh, fly boxes, and it's a chance for you to pick your top fly. All right, I'm gonna pick my top fly. I am getting ready uh, for a couple of things. One thing, we've got the Steelhead School. We're actually going up there uh, with Jeff Liskay, so I'm not quite sure what my top fly is gonna be, but you could check out that episode if you're interested, because whatever Jeff said on that one is what I'm gonna have in my box. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear um, what's going on with you this year. Uh, are you getting out on a trip? Have you been listening to podcasts? Have we been uh, missing any episodes and any topics you want to hear about? Uh, you can check with me on social, wetflyswing or Dave at wetflyswing.com. And I want to give you a heads up. We are in the process now in the next few months. We are going to be... Uh, doing a little bit of rebrand a little bit of rebrand and so that's going to be coming up here nothing really is going to change from what we've been doing we're still going to keep digging in on fly fishing but as i've been talking to people and myself i, I just love the diversity of the outdoor space so we're going to be doing a few more of those things as we go but always bringing it back to fly fishing and we're thinking about thinking about uh, swing more of a swing outdoors it kind of it kind of flows so if you got, uh, if that sounds good to you, you have a topic in the outdoor space that maybe isn't fly fishing related, you can check in with me and let me know. I'd love to hear from you and get that on, and get a guest on for you, and uh, and I'd also love to talk to you. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I appreciate you for supporting the podcast. I hope to maybe see you on uh, one of our trips, maybe on the line somewhere, and I hope you are having a great evening, a great morning, or a great afternoon, wherever in the world you are, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.